Graham, I don't hate Tom Brady. Do you hate Tom Brady? Yeah, I hate Tom Brady. I definitely hate Tom Brady. He's got a big dream board with like it's just got Tom Brady's head on it and arrows in it. Yeah. yeah. Because you're such a huge Bills fan, when was the last time you were this excited about a Buffalo Bills signal caller? I would say never. Never felt this optimistic at all. The future of the franchise is locked in. Let's talk Bills. I'm Graham, and Eric's here as well. How you doing, man? Feeling good. Big win this weekend. Had a great Halloween. Just overall good vibes, man. I love a Halloween football game. I think I've been to... This, that was probably my second Halloween football game because I feel like I've been through that experience before at the Ralph, okay. but it's fun. There were a lot of costumes. Right. It's pretty cool seeing all the stuff that people put together. Makes for a good environment. I'm sure they showed some of it on TV, but at the, at the stadium, they just kept panning the crowd for great costumes and putting them on the Jumbotron. Nice. What was the best costume you saw? Uh, there was a guy dressed like one of the members of Kiss in front of us, and he had a pretty good-looking costume. He kept just turning around and, like, curling his tongue and looking at all of us. Like, oh, my God. <laughs> uh, so that was good. There were a lot of bananas, a lot of hot dogs, pretty standard-looking costumes there. There was a good Thor. Ooh, a lot nice. of the Joker. That's yeah. still still relevant, I guess. I guess so, yeah. A couple of years later, people didn't get their chance to uh, show it off last year on Halloween, I guess. So they're and there are so many the idea different iterations of it too you know True. you've got like the uh the heath ledger joker out there and now there's the jared leto one and so there's a lot of different um joker costumes but yeah. pretty good so cool. we didn't dress up but uh, i had a mm. good time seeing what other people came Huge up with missed opportunity but yeah. definitely and you were also at the uh, ub game right yeah it was a huge buffalo football week for my family and i so any uh Halloween cheer at the uh, UB game? There wasn't a whole lot of any cheer at the UB game. We will get into that. (laughs) Yeah, we uh, had the the fortune to be able to watch that game from indoors, which is nice. Yeah. Um, So, yeah, we'll get into talking about uh, the UB football game and the Bills football game on this trade deadline day episode, which is kind of exciting. Who knows? Maybe something will happen while we're talking here. I don't know what time this is over at. Do you know when the trade deadline ends? I believe it's 4 p.m. So. Well, they got seven minutes, so Deshaun Watson better hurry up if he's going anywhere. Oh, they're not going to trade him. No, nah, it doesn't seem like anything's going to happen. Yeah. But it has been pretty active, I would say. Yeah. yeah, I don't know if it's more active than usual or if I'm just paying attention more than I usually would be because we're doing this podcast now, so I'm kind of like tuned in to the stuff that that happens on deadline day Mm -hmm. Um, but we will spend some time talking about the trades that have been made and the trades uh, that didn't get made that maybe we thought would have before we do that though let's unpack this Dolphins game because uh, about midway through this game my dad said to me the Bills are going to get crushed in the power rankings because at (laughs) halftime it was 3-3 and the stadium was not feeling so good. Um, but today, power rankings came out, and Bills are one or two in a lot of the different rankings. So wow. they managed to convince the national media that that first half is <laughs> meaningless. Happened. We don't We don't have to put any stock in that. Um, so, yeah, let's unpack this game here. Um, what was your takeaway? Night and day, first half, second half. Oh, for sure. Yeah, and it was really great, too, because, I mean, I, I watched a lot of the game, and then... Looking back on the highlights, it's literally like watching a different team play with the second half highlights, you know. Um, I don't know, man. It was just really sloppy early on uh, and throughout the game, really. The Bills had a crap ton of penalties. So did the Dolphins, but I feel like the Bills' penalties hurt a little bit more in terms of, like, the yardage that they lost and things like that. Um, One of the big things that that really stuck out to me, especially in terms of the second half, was, like, Josh, man... I love that you're basically willing this team uh, into scoring position, but do less. Please do less. Yeah, like, that's been a theme for you. You've yeah, been man, definitely like, a proponent of protecting him and keeping him in the pocket. Uh, I don't know, man. When I'm at the game and I see him take off to run, it's just so fun. 
and he's just so exciting and dynamic. Like, I think I know the plays that you're referring to. Kind of at the end, when the Bills are just killing clock, he's still, like, taking hits and just getting well, drilled out of bounds. not even that. So there was a play that really sticks out to me. It was uh, on the drive that resulted in Josh Allen's wide-open touchdown pass to Gabe Davis, right? Gabriel Davis. Um, it was third and one, and it looked like it was a designed run. And Josh stiff-armed a guy in the backfield and runs around to the right sideline, right? And just gets spun in a weird, awkward way where one of his arms is stuck out to kind of catch his fall and everything, but just a big hit overall. And it just made me think, man, like, it's great to have a dynamic athlete at quarterback, but I feel a little bit like big... It reminds me of Big Ben, you know? Like, Big Ben was not obviously as athletic as Josh Allen is, but still quite mobile. People forget about that for his size and just a rocket arm as well. But look at him now, man. Like, of course, he's old, but he's just so broken down. And I am really afraid for that to happen to Josh because, you know, he just takes so much punishment throughout the game. And over the course of the season, we could see this kind of add up to the... um, you know, end result being that he's not going to be as dynamic when they really need it in the playoffs, you know? It's a fair point. I think the play that you're referring to, though, I've just got the game script up on that drive. That's a third and one that he converts by just running over the right edge. So, like, on third and one, I want them to use him like that because he's way more dangerous than Singletary or Moss, which is something we'll absolutely get into here. It's the plays where it's like you're just trying to run the clock out and take a knee but instead, he's just like trying to pick up three yards and getting crushed out of bounds. Those are the ones where I'm thinking like you could you could put those away and save yourself the trouble later in life with knee problems. Um, but these, you know, right. use him because he's a weapon to to pick up those first downs. But see, that's like I agree with you. He is a weapon, and, we, and he should be utilized. But this is why you need a good running game that can operate without just the quarterback. You know. And the Bills just don't have that. It would be nice to have a guy who could be a game changer out of the backfield other than Josh Allen. Okay, so here's a question for you. Let's say you took, I don't know, Nick Chubb off the Browns and put him on the Bills. Is he going to be that guy if you merely just switch him out? Because I think the problem is way deeper than Zach Moss or Devin Singletary. This line cannot run block for anything. They are a disaster in the run game. It's just collapsing. I don't feel like they're absolutely terrible. I mean, Nick Chubb is going to be good no matter where he goes because he's just, I believe, a transcendent talent. But I do I think he would be as effective as he is in Cleveland if he were to go to Buffalo? No. But do I think he would still be really good? Hell yeah. And that's what the Bills lack is some, you know, elite talent in the backfield. I feel like... Uh, Zach Moss and Devin Singletary are just a bunch of ham and eggers at this point. Well, I think they can do certain things, but they certainly don't stand out. To me, I just get so frustrated when, you know, the Bills lined up to try to convert, I don't know if it was a fourth or a third and short. Um, at the It was the fourth down. That's what it was. It's the fourth down at the end of the, the first half. Mm. Uh, and, yeah, yeah. and they line up to try to convert this thing. And they just go, no receivers, cram everybody in front, and they basically just say, let's see if our offensive line can do this. Can they get a push and get a yard? And they couldn't do it. Right. They, they just got smoked. The defensive line for the Dolphins, which I guess is a little underrated. Like They got sure. plenty of pressure, um, but they weren't able to convert anything against them, especially in the run game. It was useless. So um, I want them to completely go away from the run game, um, which is going to be the same disagreement that you and I have pretty much had over and over about this team. In the first half, the Bills refused to pass the ball. Mm-hmm. That's that's how I felt. Okay. Um, and I went into the game script, and I just looked at how many times they ran the ball versus how many times they passed the ball. And what I realized is it's not really – that they didn't pass because they did try to throw 15 passes in the first half. It's that when they decided to run the ball, I disagreed with the decision pretty much every time. They chose to run it on a second and nine, Mm -hmm. on a second and 11, on a second and 10. 
Like, I don't know why in these second and long situations you're putting the run game out there. I guess you're trying to fool the defense, thinking like, ooh, they're going to think we're passing here. But it didn't work ever. They, they came up with, in the first half, uh, 43 yards on the ground, and 34 of those were on that Josh Allen scramble so yeah. that got them into field goal range. So that means that Singletary and Moss combined for nine yards on five runs in the first half, and all were on these like long, first and long, second and long situations that it never worked out. Fair. Fair enough. Um, I'm not privy to the why. I, I believe that there is some like analytics and stuff that says running on second down is when you want to do it, but I don't know anything about that, so... Maybe you will once you get a little bit deeper into your analytics. Um, moving on, Graham, what else stuck out to you about this game? Um, well, the thing I was most frustrated about was the amount of running or the when they decided to run in the first half. The offensive line got murdered in the first half, even in pass protection. Josh was under crazy pressure. But it was encouraging to see them basically fix everything in the <laughs> second half. I don't know... I don't know if maybe Dable is just like toying with the Dolphins in the first half, just saying like, okay, it's the Dolphins. Let's see yeah, if we sure. can make running That's a thing. It. And then after a half of football, it's like, all right, we can't do it. So let's just go back to doing what we do really well. I don't know if that's what it is, but this game felt to me like the Pittsburgh game should have, if mm, that game had yeah. gone one more quarter, right. you know, like it's like the bills just didn't have time in that game to overcome the amount of mistakes they were making and the bad decisions they were making. And in this well, game, it took a half. You know, after the 3-3 half, they came out in the second half and just dominated. They threw the ball all over the field and did what they do. Um, so it was pretty exciting to see Josh Allen finish with two touchdowns and 250 yards after a pretty abysmal first half. Right. Great point. I, I mean, that's kind of what it felt like for me to watching this is, the, is exactly as you said. This is the game that we thought we were going to get when the Bills went into halftime against the Steelers and you just – thought to yourself you know they'll figure everything out they'll get it right and somehow they didn't but this game they were able to you know strap up and get it done in the second half but um they were definitely helped in my mind by Tua and how awful that offensive line is I mean people talk about Tua I feel like like the national media talks about Tua and they say see yeah he shows a lot of promise and everything like that I don't know if it's just because I watch him when he plays the Bills, but I don't see it at all. Like, this guy looks completely different than the guy that I saw at Alabama. How did you feel about seeing Tua in person? I have I have a pretty low opinion of Tua based on what he's put together this season. He has not played an impressive game yet um, against the Bills the first time. He looked, you know, I don't even know if it's fair to evaluate him because he was out so early in that game. He did put some sort of a performance together last week against the Falcons, and they didn't win. So I was thinking, like, maybe he's kind of coming along. And I have to say that in this game, he didn't look awful. You know, he didn't put his team in danger, really, in critical situations. But he's unimpressive. He doesn't have an arm that's going to scare you where you think he's going to go deep over your head. Dude, that's um, the thing. Is like, every time I watch him throw, it looks like he's just pushing the ball. He has what seems to me like a pop gun arm, if you know what I mean. And we spoke about it way early in the season when he had that brutal interception where it looked like he was trying to just throw it out of bounds and didn't have the arm to do it. Um, but every throw of his looks like there's not a lot of zip on it, like it's getting into the receiver where the defender can't make a play on it because it almost looks like every throw, if a defender is in proper position, they should be able to make some sort of play on it. But, like, the Dolphins' offense did scheme up a pretty good system for him. In the, I mean, they only put three points on the board, so how great could it have been? Yeah. But in the first half, you know, he was getting rid of it quickly. They were getting Devontae Parker, his catches in the first half. It was mm -hmm. pretty frustrating to see him go off the way he did in the first half against the Bills. And he was being efficient to an extent. It's just he's very mediocre, I think, and the Dolphins seem to know that. And the offense that they've constructed around him is really conservative. It's really basic. And it's not what you'd expect from a team who drafted a quarterback, what, fifth overall in his second year. I just think that they know that they don't have gold in Tua and they're just trying to like mitigate risk with him. Um, but 
I noticed some plays in this game that really I thought early on could have swung the momentum one direction or the other or did. Like on that very first drive, the Bills try to convert a third down and Josh scrambles right. You remember this play? It's it's third and five, Buffalo 27-yard line. Josh scrambles right and okay. he could easily pick up the first down. He could just yeah. run it right out of bounds. But Diggs is wide open. And so he tries to throw it to Diggs, and he just misses him. And if he had hit Diggs there, that would have been like a 30-plus yard pickup. Right. And and then after the re- way that the rest of the first half went, I was thinking, like, neither team really did anything dangerous. Imagine if on that first drive the Bills had gone into Dolphins territory on three plays. Like, how different that game would have felt. You know, it would have been like week two again. Yeah. And then on the second drive, the Dolphins come back, and Tua hits a third and nine on a pretty nice – throw to the sideline to Devontae Parker. He picks up 23 yards on That was the one where Devontae just mossed Levi Wallace. Levi Wallace, yeah, he goes right up over him. So I thought that was kind of a huge play. It was like a really suck the momentum out of the crowd. You know, third and nine, they're on the Dolphins 27, and the crowd's going crazy because it's so early. They're all getting still pumped up on third down, and it just, like, shut everybody up. But then they go down the field and miss a field goal, and that's a whole (laughs) nother momentum shift. And I just felt like at the beginning of this game there were a lot of opportunities where – like the butterfly effect could have taken this game in such a different direction. But when you've got a bills team that's as talented as this and as well coached as this, you cannot overcome that over the course of four quarters. It's just like the dolphins were just kind of holding back the tide as long as they could. And then in the second half, eventually the bills were going to progress to the mean and the dolphins were going to regress to theirs. Yeah. Good point. I mean, and then on the other side of the ball, speaking of holding back the tide, I feel like the defense did a really good job keeping the Bills in this game um, early on, right? Uh, limiting scoring opportunities and things like that. But in the second half, really taking off with the uh, forced fumble and interception at the end of the game, right? The forced fumble is not our doing, though. That's just terrible coaching or play execution. Think? Yeah, it's it's all it is is Tua snapping the ball and Jacecki's in motion and the ball hits his knee as he's running through. Like whether it's a timing snap or what, it's a guy uh, in no, motion sorry. and the I'm, snap hits him. I'm talking okay. I'm talking about another force fumble. There was the second force fumble, right, where Jerry Hughes knocks it out of to his hand, but the Dolphins were able to recover it. Oh, that we did not recover. Yeah, that yes, was demonstrative though of the Bills being able to get to or get at Tua by the end of the game. Right, and it's a play where I felt like Ed Oliver, like I thought Oliver picked up that fumble because yeah, it looks like he lands right on it, and right. then they show the replay, and it like squeaked out behind him. Well, they they did watch, get good pressure. If you watch the replay too, Jerry Hughes, freaking a man, like yeah, be happy about knocking the ball out, but he started celebrating <laughs> and totally missed the football at his feet. Yeah, I love Jerry, and Jerry is having the best season statistically supposedly of any of the defensive players on the defensive line for the bills but ed had a great game he was blowing up the backfield and it was like the first time that you know you say you notice a lot of crazy tackles like who was that oh it's taron johnson like wow greg rousseau stands out because he's so huge and milano has been all over the place but a lot of the plays in this game are like wow who blew that play up it was ed oliver so it was cool to see him have a, a good game for once right is he in the fourth year of his contract or the He's in the fourth, right? Yeah, this is his contract year. Okay, but they picked up his option, right? Yeah. Okay. I think so. Yeah. Um, the other thing that we have to mention is the second half, Cole Beasley has his game. Everybody's kind of been yeah. wondering what happened to Cole Beasley. Why isn't he the focus of the Bills' offense anymore? Well, in the second half, he was. Ten receptions for 110 yards, and he was just third down Cole Beasley picking up Third and 14s, third and 9s, all over the place. He's such a weapon for them. Yeah, he he definitely has that move, too. Like, every time it seems like he catches the ball and is just able to completely stop his momentum and try to, like, just spin on his heel and go in the other direction. You know what I mean? I noticed him do that on a couple of screen passes, and that was another thing that I noticed the Bills doing is they were unusually heavy on the screen game. Yeah, Zach Moss had something like six receptions, I think. Yeah, six receptions for 40 yards, and it was it was working. And Stephon Diggs' first reception of the game is just a quick little screen pass. They went to that, and I was commenting to the people I was with that, like, a lot of the times when the Bills go to their screen game, it's like, oh, it's going to get blown up. It doesn't seem to be as effective as a lot of teams 
can utilize theirs, but they did a nice job in this game. Right. So credit to Dable for making some adjustments. Yep. Dable, McFrable. That's right. McFrable had another MVP game. Um, so, you know, all in all, I think the Bills basically proved that even when they have a really bad day, if they're playing an inferior opponent, they're still going to come out victorious on the other end, which is what you'd like to see. So hopefully right. that was a one-off, and these next two weeks the Bills can perform the way they're supposed to and sort of dominate more or less from start to finish. Yeah, true that. Speaking of domination, Graham, um, it was a rough week for you. Did you notice something In happened? what sense? In in UB or in the survivor pool or in fantasy football? Everything yeah. was bad for me this week. I, I Basically, thank goodness the Bills won because I was – I would have been well, – I'm, I'm talking about domination clearly in terms of our survival pool Oof. and uh, how I destroyed you. You can't argue with the pick. How many people got knocked out of a survivor pool this week because the Bengals lost to the Jets? I don't know, had, man. I, I was thinking about putting money on the Jets before the game. I just knew there was something special about Mike White. Oh, yeah, I'm sure you did. <laughs> the Jets um, won that game 34-31. to 31. And before you say, well, it's because they traded for Joe Flacco and had a real quarterback play for them, well, Mike White played quarterback. Uh, in his first NFL start, threw for three touchdowns, 405 yards, and completed 37 of 45 passing attempts. He's just, like, earned himself a paycheck for the next 12-plus years, no <laughs> doubt. So I was talking to a lot of people at work because everybody that I work with is a Jets fan, and they were all super excited today. And, like, of course, they should be, right? So now they're, they all want to know, are we winning the next game, which is Thursday night <laughs> against the Colts? They're I feel like that's such pumped. a theme with Jets fans. Like, they'll just... <laughs> get so delusional so quickly like so much how many what percentage of Jets fan do you think Jets fans do you think just totally gave up on the season especially when Zach Wilson went down and how many of those have since come back to the fold and are all in on the Mike White experience I'm well I would bet it's the same people who immediately were all in when they beat the Titans in overtime right, in like week yeah. three too <laughs> right it's a it's an up and down season for the Jets yeah. But I'm excited for them. I don't think that that means they're going to be successful. Uh, I don't even think that it means that Mike White is going to win another game. Sure. But good for him. I just think um, the Bengals aren't as good of a team as we thought they were. They made the Ravens look silly. But what this basically says is, like, there's no team in the league, and other scores around the league this year prove this too, who's untouchable. There's nobody who's that far ahead. Like, everybody thought – Bucks, Chiefs, way out in front of everybody. Let's see who can catch them. And obviously, that's not the case. Like the Bucks lost this week to n not even Jameis Winston, and yeah. the Jefferson. Bengals, who were in first in the AFC, lost to the Jets. So there's a lot of parity, which makes it fun. Um, and I think it it's good for the Bills because I think the Bills are one of the more consistent teams in the league. Right. Yep. Um, and this doesn't even really make the division any more competitive um the jets are still going to be at the sharing the bottom with the dolphins but the patriots four and four right now just took out a good chargers team and who knows man maybe i can't remember what you and i said about the patriots maybe high floor low ceiling was that it what we said leading I into think the season we differed on that because you're going to get mad at me for crushing your bad takes. But you th you tended to think, unless I'm wrong, that the Dolphins had a, a higher floor. Oh, than, sure. Yeah. I, no, I think the Dolphins, I said, had the higher ceiling. Oh, okay. Maybe yeah. that's it. We should go back in and check. Um, but both of us, I do have that we both picked the Dolphins and the Patriots record in the end to be around 9 or 10 wins. Right. So and Looking it's like seeming like the team. Patriots can end up there. Yeah. But the Dolphins absolutely won't. They're done. They're sunk. Season's over. Do you think Brian <laughs> Flores makes it uh, to next year? Oh, I don't think he makes it to next year. I don't think they'll fire him before the end of the season because I don't think there's any point in doing that right now. No. But I don't think he'll be the coach next year. Yeah. I don't either. Crazy, though. Yep. 
Let's get into a little bit of trade deadline news and maybe some other yeah. news too. We're past it now, right? The deadline? Yeah, that's right. It is 4.15 and I don't have anything from the NFL news. So it uh, yeah. seems like unless there's some late stuff that trickles through the pipes, Deshaun Watson was not moved. The Bills did not make any trades. But there were a couple interesting trades Yeah, for us to talk about. Some of this. All right. Um, let's start with the Broncos moving Von Miller. Yeah. <clears throat> That's kind of an interesting one. That is a very interesting one. Um, I believe the compensation for Von Miller was something like a second and a third rounder that the Rams gave up, which is crazy because it seems like the Rams just never have draft picks to begin with. Um, yeah, I don't even know where they found those two picks. Yeah. I know, man. It feels like they have two picks a year. Uh, but, yeah, and that seems like maybe a lot to give up for, what is he, 32 or something? 32-year-old pass rusher. Um, but he's having a good season, and he comes cheap to the Rams because the Broncos, as part of the deal, they agreed to eat $9 million of uh, Von Miller's uh, salary so that the Rams only get him for something like under one million, which is one of the reasons for the second draft pick being thrown in there. Hmm. So, something the Bills could have done and reportedly were trying to do. Um, I saw a report from Peter Schrager or something earlier talking about how I think the Cowboys were also in on the trade talks and the bills, which is very interesting. Yeah. So I saw something that just said that that was not the initial asking price and it went up because of competition. Sure, yeah. So the bills caused that to happen. would have been cool if they had picked up a dangerous pass rusher, but it, it doesn't frustrate me that they didn't get him. I guess it's just nice to know that bean was in on some stuff. And if it didn't work out, then I'm just going to give bean the benefit of the doubt and assume that it's just because there wasn't the right fit. Right. Yep. Um, in addition to the Miller trade, we had a couple earlier this week that we didn't really talk about, one of which um, was Mark Ingram heading back to the Saints, right? Um, and he headed back to the Saints for a seventh-round draft pick, I believe it was. It seems like the Texans kind of did him a favor. I didn't read the whole article, but I did hear Ingram quoted as saying something like, they weren't going to trade him unless it was – you know, back to the Saints where he started his career. So yeah, that's kind of cool. Yeah. Hey, if you're the Texans, you got to score some points somehow. Like <laughs> you <laughs> got to be likable in some way. So uh, do a nice thing like that, and it'll get you some praise in the media. All right. Another Ingram that was moved is Melvin Ingram, who beat up on the Bills in Week One, um, and then fell out of favor with the Steelers throughout the course of the first half of the season here. And so they moved him to the Chiefs, who are trying anything they can to turn their team around for the positive. Yeah, true that. Um, it was kind of funny. Who is it? Mike Tomlin dusted off his old, like, we want volunteers, not hostages. Uh, yeah. He first coined that phrase, I believe, when he was talking about Le'Veon Bell sitting out that one season, uh -huh. uh, 2018. And then he yeah, brought it back to talk about the... Yeah, uh, upset Melvin Ingram getting out of Pittsburgh. So. They they sure have attitude problems over there, don't they? There's like yeah. no, no team that's – and I, I think of Tomlin as being like a pretty respectable coach. But yeah, whatever it is about there. the personalities of the guys that they bring in there, it's just a, like Antonio Brown, maybe the yeah. poster child for that. Right. I don't know, man. I, it seems like Mike Tomlin – Definitely has a hold on, on things, but is also kind of a player's coach, meaning that maybe is a little more buddy-buddy than, like, harsh taskmaster, you know? Mm, sure. But, yeah, it was interesting because, uh, you know, some of the expected moves did not go down, like um, Marlon Mack stayed in Indy. Um, of course, reports came out pretty early on that Deshaun Watson was not going to be moved, which I don't know how he could be, especially for the asking price. But... Uh, other big names like um, Fletcher Cox was kind of put out there. Fletcher Cox, the interior defensive lineman from Philly, and he ended up staying put. But uh, outside of trade news, Graham, did you hear the Packers cut Jalen Smith? No, I didn't yeah, actually man. see that. So just two weeks after signing him, after he was cut by the Cowboys, um, 
He ended up getting cut by the Packers, which really has to sting if you're a Packers fan, because I think there was a report out earlier this week from uh, Matt LaFleur about how they were going to be working really hard at the deadline to do anything they could to improve the team. (laughs) They just end up cutting Jalen Smith with no other acquisitions. So interesting strategy. He can't stick anywhere, huh? I know, man. I feel bad for him. Notre Dame kid? Yep. Too bad. Yeah. Other news that is not trade-related and is not as exciting to talk about. Um, First of all, Derrick Henry might be out for the season. Absolutely will be out. I think it said six to ten weeks. This is not just bad for my fantasy football team, but I think this takes the Titans down like four spots in the power rankings if you're considering how successful this team will four? be. Four? Yeah. Dude, way more than that. <laughs> they're, like, they're still going to make the playoffs because their division is garbage. So well, this, I don't, I don't know, know if this affects whether or not they'll perform in the playoffs, but this is going to hurt their seeding. Like, I would have thought that they might be a favorite for the one seed because of how they're using Derrick Henry to set up their play action and their division is trash. But now they could lose games to some teams that are pretty inferior because I think this is worse than when they lost Julio and A.J. Brown, and they lost to the Jets when that happened. Right. So this is this spells trouble for them. Yeah, I agree. I mean, it's definitely trouble. I think more than four spots, though, down the power rankings. Are you talking power rankings in terms of, like, league-wide? Yeah, like who's going to win the Super Bowl at the end of the oh, season yeah, because yeah. I think this when Derrick Henry comes back, four. They're going to bounce back to the team that if they were now. If he comes back. Right, if he comes sure. Back. If he comes back. Dude, but I, I have think trouble gonna... believing that a 215-pound human being can run effectively on a broken foot that is like not being given a whole lot of time to heal up. I have trouble believing that they can ride that into the playoffs and beyond. Um, if he I doesn't come will... back full strength, then they're sunk. Right. I think they will make the playoffs at this point because you know they won four in a row. They're 6-2, and two, and as you said... Their division isn't trash, Graham, but two of the teams in that division are trash. It's hot garbage at and the very least. You shut your mouth. And, <laughs> um, yeah, I just feel like, you know, they've built themselves up a nice bit of breathing space so that they can easily make it into the playoffs. But this is really going to hurt. Um, they did, however, sign Adrian Peterson. And uh, he's huh. on their practice squad now. I believe he will be activated later, kind of like the deal that the Ravens did with all those old-ass running backs earlier on in the season. Um, and we'll see if Adrian Peterson has any juice left. To I get guess the we Titans will. I just see that the Titans as basically going to end up being one of these teams that like limps into the playoffs or, sure. or looks like they're limping into the playoffs because they're going to come in with like a 10-7 and seven record or like a 9-8 and eight record or something. And then if Derrick Henry's healthy, they're going to be like the scariest wild card team you've ever seen because they're going to come back into this form that they're at right now and be capable of beating anybody. Yeah, I don't disagree with you. I just am less optimistic that Derrick Henry's going to be able to come back healthy by the end of the season. Yeah, I am optimistic that he will be able to because my fantasy team needs him to somehow make it back in the oh, closer to six game window than the 10 game window don't even talk to me about fantasy anymore I'm done <laughs> well you won this week yeah i won this week but calvin ridley's out now christian mccaffrey's been out forever this is just another awful season let's not talk about it. i'm gonna get upset okay um and the other terrible news uh which we can you know discuss briefly here is henry ruggs Career is probably done as a football player because of the news yeah. that came out this morning uh, that he was involved in a deadly car crash and he was likely driving under the influence and caused a fatality. So uh, right. terrible news. A young player who you know, a lot of people thought had a lot of promise is he's probably done, probably out of the league. I can't imagine. Yeah, I mean, like, not only is this going to be a felony DUI that is obviously going to take him out of any sort of position to play football over the next, you know, who knows how many years, depending on how it all plays out. But just the fact that, you know, he's going to have that in his past forever. And that's got to be just the worst thing to try to deal with. So, you know, 
we don't know the whole story, so we can't say too much on judgment, but either way, man, just take an Uber or a Lyft, right? Yeah, well, we'll know more soon, but uh, for now, pretty sad situation. So uh, why don't we talk about this game that's coming up this week? And, uh, Ooh, let's, baby. Let's dive into Bills-Jags. Now, the Bills are going down to Jacksonville. It's not going to be yeah. bad weather because it's Florida. And they get to play a really struggling. Oh. <laughs> no, not promising. <laughs> uh, a really brutal situation down there. Yeah. Um, and they kind of hid from the news for a little while when some bad things happened elsewhere in the league. But, you know, they're sort of back in the news. They got crushed this week. What was the score when they played? I want to look this up. The Jaguars versus... Um, Jaguars versus Seahawks, right? Seahawks. Geno, Geno Smith-led yeah, Seahawks. The Geno Smith experience, 31-7. to <laughs> Yeah, which is a new low for the Jags, who have mm. seemed like they've got a chance here and there throughout the season, but then consistently prove that they just don't have what it takes. So uh, we'll go position by position and see how these two teams stack up, and then we'll give our score prediction for how we think this is going to go. Okay. So let's start with quarterback. Uh, I'll let you go first, Eric. Which team do you think has the edge at quarterback this week? Why do you always make me go first and have to, like, try to make some sort of, you know, comparison between Josh Allen and some, you know, loser? I mean, Trevor Lawrence isn't a loser, but he's a rookie, which is just as bad as being a loser right now. <laughs> Um, I've got to take Josh Allen in any case. Uh, Trevor Lawrence, he is the golden child. He will be very good. I think that he does from time to time show flashes of what made him the, you know, first overall draft pick. But he's just not being helped at all by the roster around him, the coaching or any other situation going down in Jacksonville. So, um, yeah, I, I just hope that. Trevor Lawrence, with all that talent, is not ruined in Jacksonville. It's one of the worst situations a rookie quarterback could be dropped into, especially right. considering they. I don't. I don't think Urban Meyer is going to make it to a second season. So there's no consistency. There's no help around him. Last week, he lost to the Geno Smith-led Seahawks and posted a quarterback rating of 11. Um, yeah. Pretty terrible situation. Oof. So he's got a lot of physical tools, but combination of poor coaching and protection and weapons he's just being hung out to dry so give the bills the edge because they have one of the best quarterbacks in football right okay how do you feel about skill positions graham i think the jaguars have like the worst skill positions in the league they have terrible wide receivers they have nobody tight ends and no one running the ball either they should have had travis Etienne and dj chark and both got what? hurt at the beginning of the season did you just say nobody running the ball either? James Robinson? Yeah, man. James Robinson's a good running back. Let's see. James Robinson is a very good running back. Sorely underrated coming into the league, which is what made him undrafted, but had an awesome rookie season. And I'd say, given the circumstances, he's been playing out of his mind. Okay. All right. So you give, well, it looks like he is a more dangerous running back than either Singletary or Moss. No doubt. Yep. Um, but he's an undrafted 2020 pick. And uh, for a team that thought they were going to have Travis Etienne running the ball and catching the ball and doing everything out of the backfield, they are trying to make up ground constantly. Right. And DJ Chark went out early too. So um, if James Robinson is a, a better weapon than anything else they've got, then they're going to have to lean heavily on him. But looking around at the rest of the roster, they've got LaVisca Chenault, Marvin Jones, Jamal Agnew catching the balls, and uh, Dan Arnold and Chris Manhurts at tight end. Chris These Manhurts, are such not, an awesome name. not uh, names that inspire a lot of fear in a defense. So right. I, I just think this is a completely barren roster. Not um, positive, but I think Jamal Agnew um, is a former cornerback. He's more known as a return specialist, um, and he came over from Detroit, and he's kind of like the uh, – new school version of um, Devin Hester. Not as good, though. Hmm. Yeah. So look out for him in the special teams conversation that we'll have pretty right. soon. 
yeah. good to have something to actually discuss there. Uh, I give the Bills the edge. We've got great receivers. Not great tight ends right now. Dawson Knox is out. Tommy Sweeney's there, but, you know, he's not a dangerous pass catcher. Um, but Bills get the edge. Yeah, agreed. I mean, um, running back for sure is a win for Jacksonville. And if you go tight end based on just uh, the all-name team, Dan Arnold, two first names, and Chris Manhurts, as you spoke about, and Jacob Hollister, former brief member of the Buffalo Bills. That's right. Yeah. Former Wyoming teammate of Josh Allen as well. Exactly. Yeah. But, uh, yeah, this these skill possessions, with the exception of James Robinson, leave a lot to be desired. Sure. How about offensive line, Graham? I really dislike our offensive line. <laughs> yeah? Is this a little bit of recency bias? Maybe. I just watched them get crushed by the Dolphins for the first half of that game last week, and they can't block for the run. Um, they did better in pass protection in the second half, whether it was a scheme thing. or Josh Allen helped him out because he does a nice job of beating the blitz just by himself. You know, he can dodge the first tackle nine times out of ten. So even if somebody gets through a lot of the times, they don't end up sacking him. But I actually think I'm going to give the Jaguars the edge here at offensive Whoa. line. Yeah, I'm Great. looking at their grades and their statistics as far as them giving up sacks. Um the right side of their line is also really young. They've got like a second year and a first year, or uh, maybe a second and a third year, if I look that up, at right guard and right tackle. So hmm. uh, they're starting a guard named Ben Barch, who is a 2020 pick um, mm-hmm. at right guard. And on the right tackle side of things, they've got Jawan Taylor, who's a 2019 pick. So they've got young guys on that side who aren't grading terribly. They're doing okay. And their left guard is the player who you mentioned they might trade at the deadline. Um, Andrew Norwell has been playing pretty well. They aren't giving up that many sacks compared to the rest of the league. So compared to the rest of the league, they're giving up sacks on 3.9% of passing attempts, which is fifth best in the league. So they're doing all right. Uh, Just for frame of reference, the Bills do really well in that statistic too. They're also a top five, but that's because of Josh Allen more than anything else. He does a nice job avoiding sacks. So um, I'm going to give them the edge because our guards are brutal. And Deion Dawkins is bouncing back and Mitch Morris is doing okay. But we have not been able to find an answer between Feliciano. Cody Ford's a a mess. And um, Ike Butker did not have a good game this week either. And with Spencer Brown out on on the right tackle side of things, they can't even push Daryl Williams in. So I, I give the Jags the edge here. Okay. Um, well, let me throw in the obligatory, you know, we're idiots and don't know anything about offensive line play, but I have to disagree with you. I would say that the Bills have the edge here, and one of the main reasons for that is because left tackle, you know, arguably the second most important position on offense um, for the Jaguars has been and remains a problem. Um, Cam Robinson plays left tackle for the Jacksonville Jaguars, but he's kind of sort of trash, and over the offseason, they were talking about the rookie, Walker Little. I think he was drafted in the second round, but he's from Stanford. They were talking about him being the best offensive lineman throughout camp. Um, and he would played lights out and everything, and they were wondering how they were going to make it work. But unfortunately for Walker Little, he ended up on the um, COVID reserve list and hasn't had a lot of action since. Um, so I don't know, man. Um, if your left tackle is or would have been beaten out by a second round rookie um, no matter how good he might have looked I don't think that bodes well for your offensive line and uh, the everything else is basically even Stevens for me I mean you know I can't put any other position up against the other and say with def- a definitive clear answer that the Bills or the Jaguars are better so yeah, the Bills, Bills definitely have the better answer at left tackle. Cam Robinson right now uh, is being graded as the 60th best left or tackle uh, in the league, and that's out of 79. Right. So he's having a pretty bad season. The rest of their line, in general, doing okay compared to the Bills. Um, but you know, maybe I'm trying to get too cute by giving them the edge at a position here. You're just in your feelings, man, and I understand. It's okay. Yeah, I was pretty mad. Real angry. I didn't like how they played last week. So they're going to have to prove to me that they can 
they can uh, win me back before next week. Yeah, sounds good. How about okay. the defensive side of the ball? Uh, I mean, the Bills' defensive line seems to be clicking right now, so I'm going to give them the edge at defensive line, even though we go front seven. Uh, the Jaguars do have some big names at linebacker. They've got Miles Jack, who received a ton of money and a ton of hype before um, he even entered the league, and Josh Allen, who had a really great rookie season for the uh, Jaguars two years ago. Uh, I think he battled some injuries last season, but he's back now looking good. Um, I don't know, man. I'd still give Tremaine Edmonds and Matt Milano the edge, though. They've just been playing really... Tremaine Edmonds especially very solid, I feel like, in the last few weeks. So overall, giving the Bills the edge at front seven. Although the Jaguars probably not as bad as people think. Yeah, uh, you've definitely got to look out for the... They've got some top-notch draft picks on defense and as far as Miles Jack and, and Josh Allen, who's just a really dangerous edge rusher. Um, but it's kind of sparsely populated throughout the defense. So, right. you know, they're, they're scary-ish at certain positions, sort of like the Dolphins, um, but they haven't really been producing, and they've been getting just shredded defensively by teams. So mm. I'm going to give the Bills the edge because they're – their talent is more evenly distributed, and they might not have anybody right now on the defensive line who's a stud. I think Rousseau will be that. Um, but they're consistent, and they roll like nine defensive linemen throughout the game. So I think the Bills have the edge at that spot. Sounds good. So secondary, Graham, I think I know where you're going, but I want to hear it anyway. Buffalo Bills, best secondary in the league. I'll just say it, get that out of the way. Um, Micah Hyde and Jordan Poyer, easily the best safeties in the league. Um, Trey White, excellent corner, constantly has the toughest matchup on the field, which is, I think, why his grades aren't, you know, top 10 cornerback grades. He's always got the toughest task. Um, he, he pretty much shut down Jalen Waddell last week, but Levi Wallace is not the best second corner in the league. So mm. uh, that's the one weakness there. But the Jaguars are a mess in the secondary. They're having a really rough season. They're giving up uh, almost 280 yards per game, fourth worst in the NFL as far as just passing yards against them. And their rookie, Tyson Campbell, is having a really brutal year one. Uh, they're just getting torched through the air. So I expect this to be – I expect the Bills to treat this the way they should have treated the Titans secondary. They just got to mm. come out firing like crazy yeah. and, and attack this weakness because I think this is the biggest weakness on the Jacksonville defense. Agreed. Agreed. I mean, everything that you said rings true. Uh, you'd think that Shaq Griffin, after signing kind of a big deal from coming over from Seattle, you'd think that he'd be having a better season, but that has not been the case. And Tyson Campbell was, of course, a high draft pick and very highly touted coming out of Georgia, I believe. So, um, you know, maybe it's just taking time for this unit to gel, but uh, I don't think that's time <laughs> that this unit has because it seems like, you know, the structure of the front office maybe and the coaches especially, it seems like it's all going to change pretty, pretty soon. So, yeah, you know, beyond the season, we might all of this kind of cohesion that they've been working towards might not really mean anything. Right. Um I don't know. It seems like they're they're starting a, a, a slot cornerback, too, who um, doesn't have a lot of time. It, that could be due to an injury. Um, but it looks like their nickel corner is going to be Trey Herndon, mm. and he's got a, a pretty rough player grade. Um, so I just think the Bills are really thick at that spot. And one position that when you think about the secondary, you think about cornerback one, cornerback two, and your two safeties. But the Bills have Taron Johnson playing nickel corner, and he's mm. like – just such a gadget that the teams don't have and he's been healthy and really effective so uh, the bills are far superior at this spot agreed okay so special teams graham how do you feel i have a stat for you for special teams Ooh. this oh, week wow. okay. i don't have anything you know i don't know anything about special teams really so i have to come up with something to support my argument and i'm mm -hmm. going to use numbers uh, i'm going to give the oh, edge God. to the bills because we have tyler bass and he's mm -hmm. excellent at kicking field goals. Uh, the Bills are fourth in the league in field goal conversion percentage, which is just a stat that tracks how often you convert your field goals. And by the way, it throws out blocks. 
So if, oh. if your only missed field goal was because it was blocked, your conversion percentage would be 100%. Um, so Bills are fourth in the league with 94.12% of their field goals being converted. Jacksonville is last in the league. Do you want to guess what their field goal conversion percent is? Um, 79. That's what I probably would have guessed, too. You'd think, like, even the worst team in the league pretty much crushes field goals. The Jaguars are last in the league, and again, this throws out blocked kicks with a field goal conversion percentage of 42.86%. Oh, my God. They miss more than they make, and we're through four weeks, eight weeks. So uh, eight weeks of kicks. So this is a brutal kicking game for the Jaguars. Yeah, well, I I do remember they dumped their guy, Josh Lambeau, um, the starter headed into the season and they signed this new guy what's his name like matthew wright or something like that Let's and i see. believe he's attempted yep matthew wright has he attempted a field goal this season let me get his stats up here um 2021 he is three for four kicking field goals right now yeah and some long ones too actually i see it now yeah so i mean yeah good for him he's 75 percent. but josh lambeau woof how bad do you have to be? Uh, I mean, we could do the math, but he had to have been kicking at like 30% or something right, for, yeah. for this to balance out to still be under 50. Man, that's pretty rough. Yeah. So, uh, Bills get the edge. What do you think? Uh, definitely, and I could have told you that without all this dumb statistical. Let's math. use stats, though. Come on, man. We can We can support Tyler Bass and use numbers to do it. After the Dolphins missed a what like was it? such a math teacher. What was the uh, the the Dolphins missed a field goal from thirty something yards, a thirty six yard field goal, and then the Bills went down the field and Tyler Bass crushed a fifty seven yard field goal into the wind. It was like, yeah. it was unbelievable. It just He's is such a tool, and I'm afraid the Bills will get conservative, knowing they've got this automatic kicker in their back pocket. You know, like I still want them to go for it on fourth and two on the other team's ten yard line. But now that they know they're, that they got three points from anywhere on the opponent's side of the field, they might be a little more conservative. So I hope that doesn't happen. Yeah. I don't think it's they're in too much danger. I feel like, you know, the coaching on the Bills has enough confidence in the offense to keep things going when they are in scoring position. Um, bringing it back to coaching, Graham, where do you, you know, place the Bills guys against the Jacksonville coaching squad the bills three-headed monster i have named mcfrable might be one of the greatest coaching trios in the league and Uh, urban uh, meyer is quite likely the worst coach in the league um you think i give the edge to the bills i believe that we could go through like a top five worst coaches in the nfl we probably don't have enough time to do that right now um urban meyer would certainly be in the conversation for top five worst though I'm not so sure, but yeah, I thought you were. I was afraid you were going to get hyperbolic with, um, you know, greatest coaching trio. I thought you were going to say of all time, but I certainly agree with you that they are probably in the top two for best coaching trio in the league. Um, McDermott's just been awesome, and uh, as you said, Dable's been looking good, making adjust- adjustments in the second half. So after a rough showing to begin the season, he's really. You know, what's it called? Evened the ship or something? Righted the, the ship. ship. Right, righted the ship. Yeah. The Bills have just been like out outstanding, even statistically. Their point differential is like a hundred twenty points, and it's just like on offense and on defense, they've been sound. They've been consistent. They've had their their ups and their downs, like any team. But I think they're more consistent and just so steady compared to most teams in the NFL. So. You know, I don't know enough about all the coaches in the league to be able to say that these are the three best ones in the league, but I'm really happy with what the Bills have. And if I were a Jags fan, I would be livid. So I give the Bills the edge. All right. Fair enough. Okay, so score predictions, Graham? 
Well, I got a little carried away last week. I thought the Bills were going to win by 35 again, and oh, they man. didn't. I thought they were going to pour, uh, pour it on as well. I think I said in the 40s. You did. Um, so I'm I'm going to back it off a little. I, I think I thought the Bills were going to put up 38 on the Dolphins last week. And I think there's something to be said for you know interdivision opponents. There's It's always going to be a harder game, especially the second time you play them. Because when you play a team twice, those two teams start to figure each other out, and I think those scores come down. But Right. This is the Bills going into a game against a team who has not played them in a while. Um, so I'm going to say that the Bills easily break the 30 barrier. I'll go I'll go with 35 for the Bills, and I'm going to give the Jags 7. Okay. All right, pretty similar here. I've got 38 for the Bills and 13 for the Jags. Wow. Yeah. Now is that... Um, a touchdown and two field goals because that seems unlikely from this kicking game. You know what? <laughs> don't don't lump Matthew Wright in with Josh Lambeau's failure. Okay, I um, think he's more likely percent Graham. Okay, so if you know if you do the math, he attempts what two and a half field goals and makes yeah two of them. <laughs> It's more likely that this is two touchdowns with a missed extra point, I think. Uh, Well, I've got him with a touchdown and Matthew Wright having himself a day with two field goals. All right, let's see that uh, field goal conversion percentage climb in Jacksonville. Let's go around the league then. Um, I am out of our survivor pool. I've got three strikes, unfortunately. I lost week one when I picked the Bills over the Steelers. I lost in week seven when Sam Darnold got trounced by the Giants and was benched. And then I lost this week when the Bengals, led by Mike White, lost to the New York Jets. Well, yeah. Jets led by Mike White. So I'm out. Um, you you just have one strike, to your credit, so you just get to keep going here. Which I want to point out is not really even a strike because I just didn't enter in something here. That's, um, that counts. I mean, no, you doesn't. should have really. cared enough I to enter it. incorrectly, so it doesn't count. Um, yeah, Graham, you ruined my fun because now our uh, locks thing is uh, our lock uh, process is all locked up. I cannot actually even make a choice for week nine because you suck so hard. Um, Wait, what do you mean? It won't let you do it? No, it just you says just you like won. Done? It, it just shows me a, a you know nice little animation with a nice big uh, cup, and it says, congratulations. You are the top-notch winner. Well, maybe I can change it. We'll see. In any case. In any case, um, you know, you keep talking about the AFC South being an absolute dumpster fire. This is not the case. Uh, The Colts are going to show people after, you know, just a heartbreaking loss against the Titans that they're back um, and they're going to make the playoffs and they're going to do it by dethroning last week's you know, Cinderella, Mike White with the Jets, and they're going to just crush them. So You're going to pick I'm, against the Jets? Hell yeah. What are you, crazy? I'm picking Indianapolis in a big spot against the Mike White-led New York Jets. You're crazy, man. I like you. <laughs> You're crazy. I also am picking the Colts in a different survivor pool. I just think that, you know, lightning doesn't strike twice. And now that the whole league has seen Mike White on tape, I think that every team is going to figure out how to stop him because there's no way he's that special. Um, yeah. So, Well, I'm, I like I'm worried that it takes like a couple weeks for that to happen. So I'm worried that it takes a week or two to just discover what some totally random guy is capable of. Uh, but I do have faith that the Colts are able to, you know, do you? You got a lot of faith in the Colts, huh? I just locked them up, didn't I? Yeah, well, did you see how they lost that game last week? Yeah, I know, man. Carson what is Carson Wentz, Wentz doing? Dude, I don't know, man. And it looks like he's going to cost them a first-round draft pick, which is awful. So I could see, like, if they lose this game, I could very easily see them benching Carson Wentz. Wow. Wow-wee-wee-wow. Yeah. All right, well, good luck to you. Thanks. You get to keep going on this. Uh, we don't have a whole lot of time left. Let's get quick into UB. Uh, they lost to? a crazy one this week. It was a wild game. A total score of 100 between the two teams, no, which you don't see a lot in the MAC, especially since you know Bowling Green wasn't putting up a lot of points. It's not like they were some sort of offensive juggernaut coming into this game. But 
UB lost uh, 56-44. The MAC championship hopes have been dashed. It's over. But I did get to meet Quentin Morris at this game, which was really cool. He was there after his practice with the Bills. Nice. Bills practice squad tight end. Uh, and he's a Bowling Green graduate. So he came and shook his hand. I got to talk to him. and uh, So that was really neat. Seems like a cool kid. And I pull for him. I'd like for him to get into a game because with Dawson Knox out, I don't get why they're you know, pulling guys off the street. They've got a guy right here on the All practice right. squad they could play. Yeah, shout out to Quentin Norris. Morris. <laughs> Okay. <laughs> so anyway, UB travels to Miami of Ohio next week. It's over for them, but maybe they could play yeah. spoiler. Uh, that pretty much does it. Dude, you're you want a jinx. To, uh, me? What, for going yeah, to the game? I was thinking that, really. Lose? I was thinking that with the Bills. We really got to go, but you're we got jinx. 15 we'll seconds. Next week. Yeah. Okay, walk us out. <laughs> Give us a spiel. All right. Thanks, everybody, uh, for listening. Please subscribe and check out you know us on Instagram. And say hi to Phineas. It's happening. Okay. Bye, everybody.